Wow. Are you ready to dive into God's Word this morning? Just say amen. I don't know how you can't be ready after that, right? Wow. Just powerful. Well, we're, we're in the series called The Call of God. And uh, what a phenomenal job Pastor Mike Britton uh, did last week uh, bringing the various calls that God places on our lives uh, and, and this week, we're going to talk about responding to that call, because anytime God gives a call, it requires a response. Now, whether or not you choose to accept that call is another thing, right? But anytime God gives a call, it requires a response. I want to share a story with you as we get started this morning. Let's go all the way back to the year 1857. 1857 in New York City, there was a guy named Jeremiah Lanfier who was a businessman in New York, and he felt the call of God. This businessman, Jeremiah, New York City, 1857, decided that he wanted to start a prayer meeting during the lunch break. And so he went to this old Dutch church right there in the city went all the way up to, I believe, the, the third story of that building, went into a prayer room, and began to pray. As he began to pray, he felt God laying on his heart that this could be something big. So he began going the streets, going to the businesses, and sharing this time with all of his friends, all of his, uh, all of his acquaintances, all these people that he knew, and even strangers that he didn't know. He started saying, hey, why don't we get together and we gather at this church at 12 o'clock from 12 o'clock to 1 every single uh, Wednesday, and we're going to get together and we're just going to pray. And he was really pumped up about this. He felt God was really leading him to this. And so he gets there the first Wednesday that he's called all these people who's expecting a big turnout. He gets there. He goes up to pray. He's waiting. The clock strikes noon, and not a single soul other than himself shows up. How do you think he felt in that moment? God had called him to this thing. He responded, and no one showed up. Well, he goes and he, and he remains faithful to the call. He shows up next week. And before you knew it, there was 15, 20 people that showed up that next week to pray with him in that old Dutch church. You see, in the time, New York City was on the brink of, of economic collapse uh, in that year. It was coming quickly. People knew that things were about to get bad. And Jeremiah knew that there needed to be some intercession between him and the Lord for his people. The next week, their meeting grew from 20 people to 50, and then from 50 to 100. Soon, they decided that it wasn't enough to just meet weekly to pray, so they decided to meet every day at noon and pray. And before you knew it, there was 3,000 people lined up down the street to pray at noon every day in New York City. By May of that next year, 50,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ in New York City and began what would be known now as the Third Great Awakening. It all started with one man who felt the call of God, responding to the call of God, 
and having a commitment and a trust in God to fulfill what he promised. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you believe that that can happen right here in Longview, Texas? You see, we're leading up to revival. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. All right? We're leading up to revival here in February. We're about to get started with this three circles training next week. Guys, I really believe that God will do something great in our church family and in the city of Longview, but it all starts with our response to the call. So this morning, we're going to take a look all the way back in the Old Testament. Would you grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. We're looking at the call of Abram otherwise later known as Abraham, but at this point, he's still Abram. And listen, I believe there's some exciting truths for us in the Scripture as we respond to this call of revival. Would you take your Bibles with me? We're going to read starting in verse 1, chapter 12, all the way through verse 9. Here we go. The Lord said to Abram, go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on the earth shall be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Verse 5. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, verse 6, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem, at the oak of Morah, at the time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. He built an altar to the Lord there and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you because we could do none of this without you. God, we thank you because of what that song just proclaimed, Lord, you have all the power. You have all the authority. God, speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So we start off in verse number one, and I'm going to give you three points that you can take with you as we respond to this call to revival. Point number one, if you have your bulletin, would you write down, number one, God's call is always intertwined with a promise. God's call is always intertwined with a promise. Let's take a look at what that means. In verse 1, we see a command. The Lord said to Abraham, or to Abram, excuse me, go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land I will show you. He said, go. And he's going to tell Abram to leave behind three things here. He says, first I want you to leave behind your land. But, but these, may mean, uh, these may mean something a little bit different in Abram's time than what it means to us. So let's walk through this, the land. He said, that, so in, in Abram's time, he wasn't just saying, I want you to leave uh, your land that you own. He's saying, I want you to leave your tribe. 
I want you to leave your culture. I want you to leave where you're from. The second thing he says, I want you to leave your relatives behind. And, and this meant his clan, maybe his immediate acquaintances. You know, family was a very important thing in the time of Abram. He says, I want you to leave this behind. And then he says, I want you to leave your father's household, which just meant his family, the people that he trusted the most, the people that he did life with together. And so he says, Abram, I want you to leave behind these three things, and, and, and I want you to hear what I'm saying here, because for Abram to leave behind these three things, it meant something very important, a drastic direction change in Abram's life. It meant that he was called to leave the life he knew, and he was called to go to a place unrevealed to him, and what this was going to bring about in his life was social and economic instability. This meant that if Abram accepted the call of God, he would be facing certain social and economic instability. Abram was in a pretty good place, wasn't he, when God called him to leave? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Sometimes we, we accept this lie that God doesn't want to move us when we're doing well. Abram was in a good place, and God placed the call, and this call was going to take a sacrifice. This call was going to take a risk. This call was going to take uh, a trust in, in God because only God could make up for what Abram was going to lose here. He was leaving the life that he knew. Do you ever get comfortable in your walk with God? Anybody? Anybody just, just find that you're going along, along the way, along the path of life, and you, and you love the Lord Jesus, and, and you go to church on Sundays, you worship Him, and you have a powerful time of, of prayer maybe, you know, every day in your life, but you feel like you get comfortable in your life with God. Listen, sometimes God is ready to move you. Sometimes God has a call on your life that's going to involve some risk. And I believe that God has called Oakland Heights Baptist Church to revival. And hey, guys, that's going to involve a change of direction. That's going to involve a risk. That's going to involve a certain amount of trust to step out in faith to follow God. Verse 2. God asked Abram to give up these three things, but then he soon follows with this promise. Verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So God asks Abram to give up three things, and then he offers him in return four promises. Isn't that amazing? Do you believe that what God has for your life is better than what you have for your life? Do you believe that the plan that God has called Oakland Heights to is better than the plan that we could ever come up with? Listen, God has so much more in store for you than what you're holding on to. He asks him to give up these three things, and then he makes him these promises. He says, I'll make you a great nation. You see, this is going to be super important and specific to Abram's life that we're going to understand here in a second. The second thing he says, I'm going to bless him. The third thing he says, I'm going to make his name great. And then he says, guess what, Abram? You're going to get to be a blessing to others. Why are these promises 
so special. These promises are so special because these are the things that only God could give Abram that Abram couldn't give Abram. Are you hearing me? There's some things that Jared can't give Jared that only God can give Jared if I trust him. There's some things that only God can give Oakland Heights Baptist Church that Oakland Heights can't give themselves. Only God can give them. In fact, one of these things, that first promise where he says, Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. What God knew very specifically about Abram is that he was 75 years old and unable to have children. And God says to Abram, I'm going to give you something that you can't give yourself. I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to bear children. And in fact, in the future, God's going to say, your children will be more than the dust on the earth. Your children will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. God wants to give Abram something that Abram couldn't give himself. He said, I will make you a great nation. Then he says, I'm going to bless you. Can I tell you that there's nobody that can bless you like God can bless you? Because nobody knows you like God knows you. Nobody knows your hurts like God knows your hurts. Nobody knows your family like God knows your family. Nobody knows your strengths like God knows your strengths. All right? And nobody can bless like God. And then he says this, I will make your name great. Now, if you go back just a couple pages in Genesis, you come across a story, the Tower of Babel. Anybody study the Tower of Babel or heard that in Sunday school? Right? The Tower of Babel. And what do these people want to do? They wanted to rise up and make a great name for themselves. They wanted to come and build a tower up to God, and they, and they were thinking, hey, if I could establish myself, then nobody else will mess with me. If I could establish our nation, then we will have all the protection that we need. If I could establish ourselves, then we will have all the influence and power that we need. And you know what God looked down and said? In fact, the Bible says that God came down to them because their tower was so small compared to where he was. He had to come down to them to see what they were doing. And he said, hey, we're not going to have this. You see, if Oakland Heights Baptist Church decides to make a great name for ourselves, it'll never stand. Abram had acquired wealth. He had acquired fame. He had acquired people. And it was never going to stand. But God promised him something that only God could promise. He said, I will make your name great. In fact, God is the one that puts people on the map. Are you hearing me? God is the one that makes men great. Because if we come before him and we humble ourselves, only then will he exalt us. But God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. God gives a very real promise to him. And then he says, this fourth promise, you will be a blessing. He says, Abram, guess what? You get to be a mediator of my blessing to others. Wow. Four promises. So God, at this point in Abram's life, says, I want you to give up these three things. I want you to give up your land. I want you to give up your relatives. And I want you to leave from your father's house and go to this place that I haven't even told you yet where it is. But you know what? I'm going to give you four things that only I could give you. Now, you might be asking the question here, 
because I gave you that point. God's call is always intertwined with a promise. So the question is why that is. Because when God calls you to something, it's only Him that can fulfill that call in your life. When God calls you to something, it's not you that can do it. It's only Him that can fulfill that call. That's His promise. Listen, God is calling Oakland Heights to revival. And so, if we rely on Him and we trust in Him, He will fulfill that call through us. Let me, let, me, let me just throw this out here. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, we've tried to do it our way, haven't we? Can I get an amen? Anybody try to do it their way? How did that work out? <laughs> Not very good, did it? When we found Christ, we realized that our way was no longer the best way. Are you hearing me? Can I be honest with you this morning? How many of us ministers have tried to do ministry our way? Doesn't work out very well. So let me just talk to you frankly, church. Let me talk to you as brothers and sisters. When we enter into this revival time, hey, it's not our way. It's not us that's going to be doing it. It's not these phenomenal speakers that we're bringing in that's going to do it, or the phenomenal worship leaders that are going to do it, okay? It's not the fun events that are going to do it. Let me tell you what's going to do it. God's going to do it. God is calling us, and He's going to do it. Here's our revival emphasis for this. God has called our church to revival, and He will work in a way that only He can. We have to trust Him to do something that is beyond ourselves. Are you willing to trust Him this morning to do something that's beyond you? You've heard the call, but are you willing to trust Him to do something that's greater than you could ever accomplish? That's greater than anyone would believe is humanly possible. Jot the second thing down. God's promise is always aligned with His purpose. God's promise is always aligned with His purpose. Verse number 3 He says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone that treats you with contempt. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Here we see yet another promise of blessing. And this word blessing keeps coming up. Do you like that word blessing? When you read that word in the Bible, blessing, do you like to see that? Oftentimes, God is bringing about change in our life. When God is bringing about change in our life, we see it as a bad thing. You ever notice that? When God calls us in our life, oftentimes we feel like it's a bad thing. And God says, hey, I want you to go over here. I don't want you over here anymore. I don't want you to do this thing anymore. That's done. I need to move you to this new chapter in your life. We see it as a bad thing. Like, God, what do you mean? I got got something good going here. Things are going well for me. And God wants to move us. And then we, we say what? Well, I don't want to do that. That's not my calling. That's not my gifting. That doesn't line up with my spiritual gifts, God. What are you thinking? And yet, God is reassuring Abraham here, what I have for you is better. And I think he's reassuring Oakland Heights, what I have for you 
is better than where you're at. Let me just tell you guys, this is a pivotal time in our church. This is a crossroads in our church. And we can choose to go God's way or our way. But God wants to bring blessing. He says, I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And listen, God's primary initiative here is blessing. God wants to bless all people. You remember John 3, 17? That Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. You see, God doesn't want to curse people. But what he's reassuring Abram here, I want to bless all people through you, but hey, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to see you through. I'm going to carry you all the way. I'm not going to drop you off halfway as we get through this thing. We are going to make it to the end, and I'm going to be there with you. You know what's great about this? Is Abram answering the call of God meant that he was certain to face opposition. Abram's answer to God's call meant that he was certain to face opposition. Can I tell you a very real truth, church family, that's not fun to hear? As we accept this call to revival, there's going to be some opposition. Because there's always at least one person that doesn't like God's plan. But God reassures us in this, that he'll walk with us, and he'll protect us, and he'll carry us all the way through the end if we remain faithful to him. God is calling you to something. It's important to remember that his purpose extends well beyond us. Remember that second point that I said God's promise is always aligned with his purpose? Here's what I want us to remember as we enter the season of revival, okay? God has promised us, but also we've got to remember that promise lines up with His purpose, and that purpose is the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So everything that we do, everything that we set out to accomplish for the Lord, it'll always line up with what Jesus did on the cross. And what Jesus did when he rose from the dead. It'll always line up to what's written in his word. Because his promise is aligned with his purpose. And guys, this gives me hope because it means that I don't have to be good enough. Do you hear me on that? Guys, I, I don't have to be good enough for God to use. I just got to be faithful to him. As we don't have to be good enough for him to use, but if we're a faithful church to him, he's going to carry out his purpose. It started all the way back with Abram, and it's still going today. And as you read through your Bible, you will notice that the same call that he gave Abram is still working out in what he's doing right here in Longview, Texas. Amen? You can trust that when you get on board with this call, that his purpose will be accomplished. And here's the thing, is we may not get to see the accomplishment of that purpose. Isn't that amazing? Abram steps out in faith here, and he didn't get to see what's going on today. 
but God's purpose still endures. He said, all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Wow, wow. He's talking about Jesus. He's reminding Abram, you know, all the way through the book of Genesis, if you read through the book of Genesis, the fall in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sin, and God says this, he said, the certain will strike your heel, but you will crush his head. And from then on out, from then on out, they're looking for who? The snake crusher. Right? Abram wasn't the snake crusher. But, Jesus would be the snake crusher. And this is to remind us that Abram's not the man, but the man was coming, and through Abram being faithful, we would see the man Jesus. And let me just say, church, we may not see the effects of what this revival may bring in the city of Longview, at least to its full entirety, but we can be reassured that our God will come through and that our Jesus who rose from the dead still reigns and will reign long after our efforts here. What God does through this revival will not only affect OHBC but many others. This is a great opportunity to reach lost people in our community and we can be confident that our God will carry out His purpose long after us. The third point today. Accepting the call of God requires our total commitment and trust. Remember how I said you don't have to accept the call of God. In fact, God doesn't need little old me to do what he wants to do. It's an honor and a privilege to be a part of that call, to accept that call. In fact, God doesn't need OHBC to light a revival in this city but it's an honor and a privilege to be able to accept that call. And here's what it's going to take. It's going to take a total commitment, and it's going to take total trust on our end. Let's read verses 4 and 5. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, and his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And when they set out for the land of Canaan, and they came to the land of Canaan, verse 6, Abram passed through the land, the land side of Shechem and the oak of Morah. And listen to this. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So God gives Abram this call, and what is his response? His response is simply obedience. Now, I want you to see here what's something very important about Abram that we know. We know that he's 75 years old. We know that he has accumulated wealth and fame where he's at. We know that he has a large following. And God wants to move him. Successful man, 75 years old. Around that time here in the States, what are we doing? getting ready to retire, right, calm down, enjoying life. And God is calling this man, 75 years old, with wealth and fame and success. And it shows us that sometimes God doesn't want you to wait until you're in a bad spot to move. Amen? 
Have you ever done that, though? Maybe you're in a rough spot in your life, and, well, God just must be wanting me to move. God must be wanting me to do something else, right? Or you're in a good spot, and you feel like God doesn't, no, God, this is right where God has me. Sometimes God wants to move you when things are going well. Sometimes God wants to move you in the most unexpected time in your life. 75-year-old man who had all that he could ever ask for, and God moved him. Cannot God move you and me today? Cannot God bring us something that is new and fresh and just miraculous like he does here for Abram? I bring this up because I want us to be reminded of the fact of how small and how little we are in the grand scheme of God's plan. Guys, let's not forget who holds the world in his hands. We used to sing that song as a kid, didn't we? He's got the whole world in his hands. And how often are we reminded that the holder of the worlds is the one in control? And if he says move, man, we better move. If he says stay, we better stay, right? And we believe right now that God is calling Oakland Heights to revival. And so let's all get on board and prepare our hearts and see where God is moving us to. Abram's response is commitment to the task. He's all in. He's taking the risk. He's, he's giving up everything to go and follow this God who he is just now understanding and beginning to know. Right? Remember, Abram is an idol maker. He comes from a land of, of many gods. And now he's following this one true God, and he gives it all up for him. But some of us, I believe, are sitting in this room today, enjoying our salvation and holding on to everything that God wants us to give up. We've punched our ticket to heaven, and yet we have not committed to what He has called us to. What a year 2020 has been with strife and chaos and sickness and fear and worry that has filled our nation and our world. I think it's easy to look around and see that each day is a risk and could be the end for us. I think it's time that we as believers stop valuing, stop valuing our life here on earth so much and start living for the eternity that we've already inherited. Guys, God has called us to something great and we're sitting on our hands so often trying to hold on to the things because we don't want to risk following Him wherever He would lead. And if God can call a 75-year-old man who had it all, He can call you and me. And if He can commit and risk it all for what God had in store for him, so can we. And that's the call that God has given us in this time of revival. We see in verse 6, Abram passed through the land at the side of Shechem, the oak of Morah, the time the Canaanites were in the land. 
And here's where the trust comes into play because God says, Abram, I'm going to lead you to this land. I'm going to give this land to you and your offspring. And Abram gets there and he sees what? There's people there. Wait, wait a second, God. Didn't you say? Well, God wasn't saying it was going to be easy. God wasn't saying that you were just going to walk right in there. So God leads him up to the land. Abram gets there and he sees what's in it. And then God appears to him. It says the Lord appeared to Abram and he's going to reassure him. Over in verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Do you notice what Abram's response is when things don't look right? Abram's response is not to give up. Abram's response is to turn to the Lord and worship. Guys, as we're on the brink here of our revival coming up in February, I want you to hear me clearly on this, okay? When we face those challenges, it's not time to give up. It's time to turn to the Lord and worship. It's time to trust Him, to know that He's going to do something even bigger than we could have even imagined. It's time to turn to the Lord. So what God needed from Abram was not what Abram had to offer. What God needed from Abram was his trust. I look around here and I see so many faces in this room. I see people that I know really well. I see people that I haven't gotten to know really well. But you know, I see a lot of people that have many different strengths and weaknesses. But each one of us capable of the same thing. Trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts. It doesn't matter what you can and can't do. You can certainly trust in God. And it does matter because He can do anything. We know that historically, these places that Abram is going to pass through, Shechem and and Bethel and Ai and the Negev, we know historically later on that these will be the places that the Israelites would make claim to the land that was promised to them. And then the Lord comes to Abram and He says, listen, I'm going to give this land to you. Don't you worry about who's in there. I'm going to give this land to you. And so God over and over again is just reassuring Abram and reassuring Abram and He's saying, Abram, I know it doesn't look right, but I just need you to trust me. And I think that's a, that's a perfect situation that our church is in today. Hey, I know this doesn't look right. I know that doing a revival in the midst of a pandemic doesn't look right. I know that, you know, in, a, in the political uh, swirl and whirlpool, that this doesn't look right, that our nation is in a, in a tough spot. I know that revival doesn't look right, but hey, what I want from you is I just want you to trust me. Oakland Heights Baptist Church, I just want you to trust me that I will work and I will do something just marvelous if you trust me. That's what God requires of us. Step out, commit, accept that call, and trust Him to follow through. Are you willing to do that? That's what it takes. That's what it took when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. When Jesus says, I need you to turn from this way, follow me and give it all to me. Step out in commitment and trust me. 
And He's asking you to do it again. And we as a church need to do it again. Guys, we have so many examples through the Bible of this, don't we? We read through the Old Testament and we see how, how time and time again God delivers on the trust of His people. We see Noah had to trust God to close the ark. Didn't he? Noah built the ark 120 years. It was about the flood. They didn't know what rain was. And it was about to come down. And, and God says, Noah, get on the ark. I'm going to close the door for you. And Noah had to trust that God was going to close the door. We see that Moses had to trust God to deliver the people from Egypt. Can you imagine Moses there in front of the Red Sea? And God says, yeah, don't worry about it. I got this handled. And he's like, okay. No, Moses trusted God. And God delivered. What about David? When he stood up to that giant as just a kid. And God said, just trust me. And God delivered. And I believe that the year 2021, God is saying to Oakland Heights Baptist Church, just trust me. And he who has delivered before will be faithful to deliver again. Sometimes trusting God's promise, as we said before, doesn't mean that we'll see it come to completion. As a matter of fact, as we read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, you'll see that Abram never got to see exactly what God had called him to. But you see, the story is less about Abram and more about God's faithfulness to whom he loves. Church family, our story is less about us and more about God's faithfulness. And I think that if we step out and commit and trust, that'll become ever more clear as we go. Listen, we need everyone here at OHBC during this time of revival. Every believer has a role to play. And listen, God has designed you specifically for the role that you are to play here in our church family. It's important that we remain committed to what God has called us to and wholly rely on Him to work through us. So point number one, God's call is always intertwined with a promise. Point number two, God's promise is always aligned with His purpose. Point number three, accepting the call of God requires our total commitment and trust. And now you might be asking, okay, so where do I fit in? And that's a good question. I want to ask you to jot down these four words as we close. Just these four words, easy to remember. You ready? Prepare, pray, preach, participate. Prepare, pray, preach, participate. Those four words, very easy to remember. This is how I want you to be involved. Prepare, take the time as we lead up to revival to prepare your heart and your family's hearts. Pray, pray for the guidance of our church and for God to do amazing things through this revival. Preach. Preach the gospel. Now has never been a better time than to go out and preach the gospel as you go. And finally, participate. Participate personally in our upcoming revival. That means next week when we kick off our three circles training, 
Be there and, and participate. When we have our prayer meetings, be there and participate. Help us fill the pews as we get ready for, provi- for revival. And finally, you can ask how you can serve. Just ask how you can serve. But these four things are going to be important moving forward. God has given us a call. With that call, He's given us a promise. With that promise, we're fulfilling His purpose. And now, it's up to you and I. I believe that we're in a special place, very similar to Abram's call. And God is calling OHBC to something that is unprecedented, unexpected, unrealistic, all right? Something that's bigger than we could ever imagine. And it starts with your response, with my response. And so I ask you this morning, how are you going to respond? I'm asking you this morning, will you commit? Will you take that step with us? I'm asking you this morning, will you be faithful to trust Him to the end? Let's do something this morning as we close. Would you stand with me? Josh is going to come up with the team here in a minute, but I just want to, I want to pray as we close. And, and I want us to just lay it out before the Lord and give our commitment, give our trust to Him, and just ask Him, where are you calling me to in this revival? Let's pray together. Father God, we love You. We thank You for the opportunity just to gather. Lord, we thank You because... We know that only You can work through us. And God, we trust You. Lord, help us to commit today from this day forward. Help us to trust You through the end. And Lord, we pray that You would do something with this revival that we never would, would be able to expect. Or, or, or God, just, just something so awesome that the city of Longview would look at it and see that's something only God could do. God, we pray for the lost people in our city. God, we pray that we can make a big impact and reach them for your Son's name, Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.